Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So obviously we need to talk about yesterday and the whole Afghanistan thing, and we're about to hear from a general that talks about the danger at this point. Um, But this just came across, and this is... uh, Maybe not the story of the day, because we're talking about 13 dead U.S. servicemen and what that means. Um, But this could be the story for the next year or 10 years. I hope not. The inflation numbers are out. Key inflation indicator jumps 3.6%. Fastest rise in 30 years. Good gracious. So we, we got another indication that the inflation is... Real. And we talked about this the other day. There are economists who say, look, this is an extraordinarily odd time. This is just a blip. Everything will settle back down to normal as soon as supply interruptions and all this different stuff and COVID and everything. As soon as that's out, everything will go back to normal. There are other economists, and they're all guessing, who say, no, 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 no. This is for real. We pumped out trillions of dollars, and inflation is for real, and it's here to stay, and we need to be worried. I don't know which, I have no idea which ones are right. I, I hope the first group is right, but I don't know that they are. I think, you know what is is most interesting to me is that the second group, and I, and I guess I guess I would straddle both, the second group is willing to concede that, now, there are just temporary problems and supply chain interruptions and the labor market's weird. Uh, businesses have been bidding against the government, and that won't last probably. Um, but the first group almost never concedes that, yes, we've pumped trillions of dollars into the economy artificially. More money is chasing fewer goods. So, of course, you're going to get inflation, and it's probably going to be persistent. It bothers me that Group A won't acknowledge the truth of what Group B is saying. And as always, got to remember, inflation, to a great extent, is just people's attitudes. It's an emotional thing. And if people believe that inflation is happening and people start buying stuff because they're afraid it's going to get more expensive or moving their dollars around based on it, it it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point, which is scary. And so people see these numbers and start to react accordingly. Anyway, just thought I'd bring you that. Horrible day yesterday in Afghanistan. The question we're asking and discussing with you and and smart people is, was it avoidable? Did it have to be this way? And where are we now? Here's General Kenneth McKenzie, commander of U.S. CENTCOM, on where we are with the danger right now. Very, very real threat streams. Uh, Very, very... uh what we would call tactical, that means imminent, could occur at any moment. And they range from rocket attacks. We also know they aim to get a suicide, a vehicle-borne suicide attack in if they can, from a small vehicle to a large vehicle. They're working all those options, and we're doing everything we can to be prepared for those attacks. That includes reaching out to the Taliban, who are actually providing the outer security cordon around the airfield, to make sure they know what we expect them to do to protect us. The long and short is, you remember after 9-11, well, immediately we bolted door to shut the doors on airplanes. I mean, just that alone meant that attack couldn't happen again. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, the, basically the next time a plane flew, the 9-11 attacks could no longer happen the same way. This is the opposite. Exactly what happened yesterday could happen right at this moment. There's nothing stopping it. It's, we're Unless in the same you believe that we somehow honed our game with the Taliban. 
the two of us. And now we figured out, oh, here's how we stop suicide attacks. Yeah, I think that's unfortunately laughable. So it's every bit as dangerous, maybe more dangerous today. I don't know what ISIS-K or Al-Qaeda's goal is. I mean, I know one of their goals is just kill Westerners. If they wanted to drive Joe Biden from office, another attack today, I think people would just be, all right. I mean, I I can't imagine how devastating that would be. Yeah, I don't think that's their primary goal. No. They just want to sow chaos and death in yeah. Afghanistan and discredit the Taliban because it's a rival group. Yeah. Um, if there's you know, another w- one in the next 72 hours or whenever, however long we're there, another attack, oh boy, that is going to be emotionally, as a country, a hard thing to take. Coming up in just, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, uh, we're going to play a conversation with Mike Lyons in which he is bluntly critical of General Kenneth McKenzie, commander of U.S. CENTCOM, who we just heard from. There were aspects of his uh, presentation yesterday, and I watched the whole thing and the questioning from the media, that I thought were, were quite good. But it does strike me that generals never admit they screwed up, um, certainly in the midst of uh, the, the battle or the situation, and they never chuck their uh, superiors under the bus. And there is enormous accountability that needs to be assigned in the wake of the miserable string of screw-ups, bad policies, uh, hasty decisions, uh, and the rest of it, including just being date-based instead of conditions-based. And I just I found his, you know, we knew this was a dangerous mission. We all accepted that. Uh, now we need to move forward. It was more or less unavoidable. And here we go, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, okay, all right. You're in the midst of the, the fight, so I get it. You do what you need to do. Um, but I think we, the people, not only do we want to assess what went wrong and who screwed up, I think... I think our system demands that of us. Theoretically, we govern ourselves. And and I would suggest that the people we put into high office and then the people they have put into high office, I'm talking about the cabinet, the secretaries of this and that, um, I think they have screwed up mightily and have betrayed an awful lack of judgment. And in the case of the, the president, uh, a terrible lack of mental acumen at this point. So we're more or less H.R. McMaster fans around here. He was Trump's... National Security Advisor at the beginning? Uh, yeah, for, for a while, yeah. And uh, interesting dude, wrote a really good book about Vietnam. He was on Fox yesterday. I didn't see him, but Joe said he's wrong, so I'm kind of interested in hearing about this. Well, I, th- I, th- I think he is, but let's hear from 70, please. I would not be surprised at all if this ISIS-K attack is just a straw man. It's just a front for the Taliban who are actually organizing the attack against us uh, to humiliate us further uh, after we surrendered uh, to a terrorist organization. It's not impossible. No, of course not. I, I, if I was going to guess, I don't think so either. I think the Taliban is just selfishly wanting us out of there so they can run the country and make as much money as possible. I, I don't think this helped their cause. And ISIS-K is blowing up and murdering uh, Taliban guys and Afghans all over the country. They just want to discredit the Taliban so they can take over that particular hellhole. I've read a lot about this over the last 20 years. I'm not an expert, but I have read an awful lot about it. I don't know if the Taliban is as religious as they are just a mob, just a mafia with, like, weird sexual kinks. Um, Whereas your Al-Qaeda, your ISIS, they are that weird, twisted, death-culty, jihad 
Islam, fundamentalist Islam thing to the core. Yeah, now remember the Taliban, though. They they blew up all those priceless yeah, yeah. antiquities. Yep, yeah, true. Which which you got to be pretty crazy to do that. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if the leaders at this point are just looking at it like, you know, let's run the country. Let's 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 do our thing. I don't know. And and it's certainly possible they have evolved in some ways over the last 20 years. They have not changed their stripes, but you know, their approaches might be different. No, they everybody uh, is evil. I just don't know if they're mo- as yeah. motivated by Allah Muhammad as they are by uh, power and money. Right. And and keep in mind that politics in the Islamic world frequently uses Islam uh, the way other regimes use patriotism or nationalism or, or, or tribalism or whatever. Part of the way they get and keep the loyalty of young men willing to fight and die is they whip them up with religious reasons uh, or through religious means. Meanwhile, the fat cats just get rich and they run the country. Uh, here's a headline for you. Biden presidency teetering amid calls to resign and potential investigations over U.S. deaths in Afghanistan. Who, now, who has that headline? I'll, I'll grant you that's Fox News, but okay. it feels like it's teetering to me. I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. Well, teetering in what sense that he would resign? Resign, have the 25th Amendment uh, revoked or, oh, or invoked, be... rather, or, or every bit as uh, possible and every bit as devastating morale organization respect uh, poll numbers are they're all crumbling so it, maybe it's just teetering in the standard political way but it's teetering the federalist is out with a statement joe biden has been derelict in his duty he is unfit to lead he should be impeached i'm okay with impeachments i think tim sandifer Tim, the lawyer, might be right. We should have more impeachments. The founding fathers were expecting more impeachments. I have no problem with a higher bar for all of these people. I don't know about the 25th Amendment. That's a heck of a precedent. You start doing that. Uh, He might be worthy of it, though. He might be worthy of it. Yeah, I wouldn't say you start doing that. I mean... uh... It's either appropriate or it's not. Remember, it has to be invoked by his own vice president and cabinet. All right. Um... Going opposite direction of something I just said a few minutes ago, quite possibly uh, wrong. Disclosed TV has just put out a video. The Taliban have expanded the security perimeter outside of the Kabul airport. Almost no one gets through the checkpoints anymore. I was talking just a little bit ago how it's every bit as dangerous right now as it was yesterday. It doesn't look like it. I'm looking at this video. There is so much space now around the airport. Nobody can even get close. Those throngs of people are right at the gate. It ain't like that now. It's just wide open spaces with Taliban guys looking around. They have really expanded the uh, the area around there before anybody can even get close. So that might help. So if and if we have no, you know, we got no Marines out there. All Al Qaeda can do is blow up other Taliban people, which is its own different issue. Right. But having been given and accepting a date specific, now what the Taliban has said is, all right, we're not going to get you guys killed anymore. And and that expanded security perimeter would have been a good idea days ago, obviously. On the other hand, the cost is we can't execute the mission. We're not getting Americans out. We're not getting allies out. We're not getting refugees out. So uh, more on that and... um... I'll look into who's commenting on the inflation numbers. Those have me concerned. Bunch and, of different and co- 
coming up, yeah, we need to play you some more clips of the president's address to the nation and answering questions from the media yesterday. It was terrible. It was one of the worst moments in the presidency in the last 50 years. You definitely don't want to miss the conversation with Mike Lyons in about 15 minutes. Good stuff. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. clear-eyed about the risk. We plan for every contingency. We have control of the airport now. Still a lot of pandemonium outside the airport. Well, there is, but look, but, but no one's being killed right now. God forgive me for if I'm wrong about that, but no one's being killed right now. Thanks to the way in which we have managed our withdrawal, no one, no one U.S. forces or any forces have, uh, have been lost. Conducting our drawdown differently would have certainly come with an increased risk of safety to our personnel. To me, those risks were unacceptable. What? That makes less sense now. Um, So a different way of doing it would have made it more dangerous? How about we do it a different way that makes it less dangerous then? Yeah, those were all prior to yesterday's events. Right. Those clips, I believe. But um, incoherent as usual. We there are, are a pl- number of Congress people calling for resignations uh, play, right now. Play the clip of the day, and you all know, you know the one, right, Michael? The uh, yeah. This evening in Kabul, as you all know, terrorists attacked that we've been talking about, I'm worried about that the intelligence community has assessed uh, has undertaken <clears throat> an attack by a group known as ISIS-K, took the lives of American service members, standing guard at the airport, and wounded several others seriously. Well, that could be the clip of the day, because that was the opening of the speech on a day when we've had a horrible loss of life, and it took him till 5 o'clock Eastern to come out and and speak at all, for some reason. Uh, But this was at the end of his speech, which is why people are talking about resignation, I think. Ladies and gentlemen... They gave me a list here. The first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell of NBC. No, no, no. That's not bad because he has a list of who to call on. They do that for all presidents. What's bad is he doesn't know how to make it seem like he's calling on people without or reading. That he's in charge. Without reading the, the those directions. That incoherent opening. If that was your company's sales meeting, you would be concerned for the health or the certainly the abilities of whoever was speaking those words. That was it was incoherent. It was rambling. It was exhausted. It was extremely old. No, I, mean, I can imagine you and I being in a meeting and a CEO of a company comes out and starts that way. I would lean over to you and say, "Is this dude okay?" I and mean, again, holy during cow. A, ter- a terrible day, a historic day, a day where. People were looking to the commander-in-chief. This was the opening. Play it again, Michael, 30. This evening in Kabul, as you all know, terrorists attacked that we've been talking about and worried about that the intelligence community has assessed, uh, has undertaken an attack by a group known as ISIS-K. <clears throat> took the lives of American service members, 
standing guard at the airport and wounded several others seriously. And later on, when he was taking presents, uh, uh, questions rather from the press, uh, the people he was instructed to, he actually uh, stretched and took some questions from Peter Ducey of Fox News, who was grilling him about the question of, of, well, is he taking responsibility? Why was he still blaming Trump? That sort of thing. And at one point, and if you listen to the speech in the, the presser, you didn't realize this, at one point he just hung his head down for a long moment out of exhaustion, frustration, confusion, which, you know, uh, uh, if it were my grandpa, I would understand that. But if the commander-in-chief doesn't have the fortitude to get through a little back and forth with Peter Ducey, that's a serious issue. Yeah, so this isn't about damaging Biden and getting him out of office or anything. I don't want Kamala Harris to be president. Um... And I don't want to ever have a head start at running for president next time. But I'm not talking about that. It's about do we have somebody competent to lead during this situation where we got thousands and thousands of Americans' lives at risk? That's the question. And I don't think he's up to it. Uh, he is certainly not up to rallying the nation and and explaining the situation. I mean, he he, and that was this has been like his fifth consecutive attempt to get it right, to explain what's happening, to rally the people, and each one has been awful. Mike Lyons is our go-to military expert because he's, well, he's got the uh, gravitas to be that, and we're going to talk to him coming up about yesterday. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Listen, I, I was I was an E6 in the Marine Corps, and I'll tell you, the war dogs are hungry, and it might be time to let them eat. I, you know, I hate that. I, it's not woke, it's not politically correct, but, uh, you know, as we would say, stack their bodies up and let them see it. In other words, be forceful, be bold, so that the Taliban understand we're going to get our people, and then we're going to leave. Listen, you can tell them right now, you're going to get a country out of this. Our president has made that decision. Do you want to do it dead, or do you want to do it walking into empty rooms because we left in peace? And, and that needs to be the message. And anything shy of that is a song and dance that gets people killed, as we've seen this morning. Military analyst Mike Lyons joins us. Mike served with various military organizations in the United States military, uh, decorated combat veteran, etc. Mike, um, welcome. Thanks for working us in today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. So how did we end up in the circumstance that led to the awful events of yesterday? What were the the key points? What's on your mind? Yes, so many linchpins. First of all, my thoughts to what the next of kin for those that were killed uh, and and that uh, horrific bombing that took place yesterday. I'm still seething over the fact that we didn't protect our force enough and we didn't respect uh, the situation at hand. We trusted our enemy. We outsourced security to our enemy there. Uh, we listened to the CENTCOM general talk about that we have this dangerous mission of getting close to these people to pat them down. It's just pure nonsense. If you have to come through that uh, airport in your underwear to make sure you don't have a bomb on, that's what we should have done. And uh, we just didn't have enough cre- creativity and didn't do it. So, But there were so many linchpins to the point of getting to where we got. Oh, oh one more thing. And then, and then when the CENTCOM commander made some comment like we expect this to happen, you know, there's this glib expression in the military about commanders expecting losses. You know, and, But the days of military taking Hamburger Hill for the sake of that are over. And I, when he made that comment, I just, again, seething because this was totally preventable 
uh, we should have had better security and, and protected our force better. It sends a terrible signal to those on active duty. Let's speak to what Jennifer Griffin was just talking about. Uh, Joe Biden um, promised to hunt the people down and make them pay. How likely is that? Zero. Uh, with what? With what resources are we going to do that with? Everyone's gone. CIA's gone. Anybody that we had any kind of contact with in Afghanistan that's reliable is cowering in their basement right now trying to make sure that they're not killed by the Taliban. So uh, we're going to launch a cruise missile into some, what, shack of of this boogeyman that we've created now that's caused this problem. It's their fault, ISIS-K. Uh, it's ISIS. It's the same. We're all trapped in time in different places, okay? This is 2011 in, in Iraq when, when this organization is formed uh, once the U.S. pulls out. We've got the Afghanistan uh, situation is 1996, 1997. There's about another civil war that's going to take place there. And then for our sake, it's 1978, 79, Iran. We've got hostages behind enemy lines. So everyone's trapped in time, a different place, but it all you know, comes together here on 2021. Uh, and we just you know, have to see where it goes forward. I think everybody throws around the term commander-in-chief so readily they forget that it's actually factually true. And being from military families, we know our loved ones are acutely aware of who the commander-in-chief is, how they're commanding, what the policies are, etc. The commander-in-chief addressed the nation yesterday. What would you make of that? Yeah, I think those of us that have blood in the military and and treasure at stake every day and, and look at the commander-in-chief, and we're concerned because we want accountability. We want accountability for who's responsible for not protecting the force. We want accountability uh, with regard to this whole situation. I just want the humiliation to end. I want it over. I think the with the race to the exit's going to even be faster. If you're not inside that airport cordon right now, you're not getting, you're not getting out. And I think it's going to take two or three days to get our military out. Let's make sure we get it out safely. God forbid there's man pads or something there that we shoot, they shoot an aircraft down. I can't, you know, I won't even, can't, can't even fathom that situation. We let that happen. So, but as a commander in chief, um, I want accountability and uh, we just haven't, haven't seen a lot of it. What's it going to look like here in the next couple of days if, if we do what you just explained? It, it's, uh, the, there won't be any press left, I suppose, to watch it. So we'll be hearing about it from the military. I don't know who else would report on it. Well, no, actually, it's going to be worse than that because the Taliban is going to shut down the Internet, so there's going to be no in, in and out. You're not going to be able to see that. Well, stories will trickle in across borders of across certain things, but the first thing they're going to have to do is go purge out all these people that supported Americans. Um, so, if, you know, that, they're not going to be uh, friendly about it. That's, what, that's exactly what they're going to do. So there's going to be a shutdown. There's also a civil war that's going to take place there. These ISIS-K and all these other forces are going to go after the Taliban as well. Then you have also in the north, you have a northern alliance of, of a resistance against the Taliban that I'm already reading reports about, you know, Charlie Wilson. We're going to start supporting those guys again, shaking my head going, what, what, what are we talking about here? We're going, we're going to now somehow divert money back into Afghanistan to fight the Taliban. So, it, it, again, it just, it just never ends. We just need to, at this point, given what's happened, given all the linchpins that have been broken, violated, uh, all of the things that could have, it, it's similar to 9-11. There are so many things that we could have done in 9-11 to prevent that thing from happening. All you have to do is, you know, pull one of the linchpins down. It doesn't happen. Same thing happened here. There's so many things that could have happened months ago, weeks ago, days ago, could have happened that could have prevented this situation. And they didn't. And so here we are. Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike uh, is giving up Bagram Air Force Base before we had our people out. One of those linchpins. 
Well, it's a good question. I, I think that's a good morning, Monday morning quarterback question because the decision gets made back a few months ago, and guy, a friend of mine, Scotty Miller, involved with that decision, and I think it just had to do with the fact that the administration said, you got 500 troops, and that's all you have to defend it. And they looked, the military said, we can we either defend one or the other, and that's either the embassy or the, air, or the airport. So I, I think they were forced into the corner of giving up Bagram. Now all the Monday morning quarterbacks want to – all of a sudden, get Bagram back, like like we can go to Amazon and you know order it back or something. It would take three or four days and ten thousand troops. And I, I talked to some guys that are on alert to do it, but they just say, Mike's not happening because we just can't get there from here with it. Um, so I think again, that's one of those linchpins that had the administration given the military more troops to defend, we should have been able to defend both those places. We, they 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 should have been together. The airport and the embassy should have been one thing to defend. And not one or the other, which is what the military was given a choice of by the Biden administration, which they won't admit. They're not going to admit to that. But that's how that went down. Okay, well, that kind of answers some of my last question, because I want to make sure we're being fair on this, because it it seems to me that getting out of Afghanistan was going to be messy no matter what, given the strength of the Taliban. So um, how how much worse is it? Was it because of the decisions we've made? versus it was going to be ugly anyway. Do you give this grade, you know, a C, a D, or is it clear down to an F? No, it's clear down to an F. And, and this is because, again, we ignored the conditions-based uh, leaving that we were going to do. So for the past four months, the Taliban has been gaining access in areas in the outer provinces, and we ignored those. So the Taliban has been violating the Doha Agreement. This administration has not held them responsible for that. This administration wants to hold up to the Trump administration's fault because they made this deal to get out. The, condi- the deal to get out was conditions-based. The, the, the conditions were not enforced by the Biden administration. Come back to May of this year, and then it just you know accelerates. We, it, it, they get told 500 troops, that's it. That wasn't enough. The conditions on the ground didn't dictate that enough. They weren't listening to it, and now we're at the point where you see a very stubborn Joe Biden is not reversing anything. Donald Trump likely would have reversed himself months ago with regard to at least the conditions based, and he would have kept pushing this date out until we were sure that we can at least get out safely. Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, we really appreciate your candor. It's great to talk to you. Thanks. Great guy. Thanks for having me. So many talking heads and analysts seem like they're reading from a script. Their comments are predictable. They're cliches. They're all the same. Mike comes on, he blasts away, yeah. and he tells the truth. And, and and sometimes he disagrees with us. Sometimes, you know, like him, he's taking down the CENTCOM commander. Where else are you hearing that? That's great stuff, and I really appreciate him coming on and speaking honestly. You can tell he's not a talking head. He cares. Major Mike Lyons. Great conversation with Mike Lyons. Yep. Always. Um... Agree or disagree, our text line is 415-295-KFTC with a variety of things he said. He, like so many people, like Jennifer Griffin said yesterday, like others I've heard, on Morning Joe this morning on MSNBC, their uh, Pentagon correspondent, when asked about hunting these people down, said there's no chance of that. Just none. Play clip 34 for us, Michael, would you? To those who carried out this attack as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this, we will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. 
You know, the Taliban might, uh, but we won't. We can't. It's not that we don't want to or don't have people that can, but we're just not in a position to do it. And then right. the whole, when he said don't forgive, I thought, why would we forgive? We're never going to forgive. But we seem to have forgiven the Taliban. I mean, the Taliban, they were enemy number one. Well, number two, right behind Al-Qaeda in 2001, because they harbored Al-Qaeda. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had uh, six figures worth of troops there, along with a bunch of NATO allies going after the Taliban. Apparently, we've forgiven them. Because now we're uh, negotiating with them and saying, hey, you can have the country. Just uh, let us get out, would you? Try, try and yeah, do us a favor. Anybody remember uh, Restrepo, Korangal Valley, any of those terrible battles, the thousands of men we lost? Uh, yeah, they have been a serious mortal enemy for a long time. Just three days ago, the Taliban leader told the NBC Osama bin Laden was not behind the attacks on the Twin Towers. Right. That's so. That's who we're dealing with there. Yeah, yeah. Osama, who was hiding in Pakistan, and uh, some analysts I've read are saying the big victor in this war is Pakistan, the evil, evil frenemy that is Pakistan. And I think the friend part uh, may be ending very soon. A uh, little bit of that, if you're interested in uh, global affairs, we can touch on that and. Some more clips of the president's just meandering, spiritless, exhausted uh, address to the nation yesterday. Really have to wonder if behind the scenes everybody's completely aware, and this this is a managing, and maybe he's even aware. I don't know. We might we might be in a crisis situation like uh, the last six months of Woodrow Wilson's presidency, where they're just keeping it quiet. Everybody understands where we are here for the for the sake of the country. We're just trying to figure out how to get through this little mess with a guy who's not up to it. Yeah, well, we received an email from a gal whose husband has dementia on that very question just a couple of minutes ago. I want to share part of that okay. with you. That's good stuff. And um, and again, discuss. Text line 4152. Yes, Michael. We had a quick question. Do you think Biden would resign if his dementia gets worse? Does he come out to the nation and say, I have to leave? I don't know. Maybe, think... and that goes to the, the topic of the email, honestly. Okay, okay, perfect. We'll get into that discussion coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's been complete unanimity from every commander on the objectives of this mission and the best way to achieve those objectives. Those who have served through the ages have drawn inspiration from the book of Isaiah when the Lord says, Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? The American military has been answering for a long time. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. Each one of these women and men of our armed forces are the heirs of that tradition of sacrifice, of volunteering to go in harm's way, to risk everything, not for glory, not for profit, but to defend what we love and the people we love. And they probably assumed that there weren't horrendous blunders that were putting them unnecessarily at risk either. So uh, a couple, 
couple of things just really quickly. Number one, uh, it's striking. I was digging around in some of the heritage media for the coverage of the president's address yesterday, and uh, the Washington Post, only in their headline did they hint at the tone and the the weakness and the mental problems. Uh, the headline is Biden struggles to address the most volatile crisis of his presidency, but they didn't address any of the things we've been talking about. And they resorted to the old legacy liberal media trick of uh, if President Trump does something wrong, the report is President Trump did something wrong. And if President Biden does something wrong, Republicans accuse President Biden of doing something wrong. So it's always framed that way. So I'm not a big fan of dissecting presidential speeches and talking about it for a long time. I just I've always thought it's just such an inside D.C. beltway thing. Presidents give an address and then they all talk about how good it was and give it grades and stuff like that. The average person doesn't hear these. And if they do, they hear a little bit and they don't think about it that much. It's not that big a deal. The only reason this is important is is trying to figure out, is the guy got his faculties or not? That's that's what's interesting to me. I heard even Tucker Carlson last night on Fox said, the nation was waiting for a president to put this in perspective. Okay, maybe you live your life that way. I don't. I do not see the president of the United States, Republican or Democrat, as somebody who needs to heal me in times of crisis or hug me or hold me or direct me or anything like that. So I just, I don't care care about speeches that much from presidents. But if he doesn't, if he's not capable of being the president, that is a significant thing. Jonah Goldberg tweeted out his review of the speech in the way that pundits in D.C. do. Um, Making sure we leave time for the uh, letter from the uh, okay. the gal with her, her husband. If you're, grading, dementia, yeah. if you're grading on the curve of a very old man dealing with a terrible crisis, where despite his political posture, he's riddled with regret and doubt, then Biden's presser was adequate. If you're looking at it objectively, he came across exhausted and struggling. I'd say yeah. so. Yeah, well, even the WAPO said he struggled to communicate, blah, blah, blah. So um, we've received a number of emails from folks who are dealing with dementia or a loved one with dementia, and it is a, a sad thing, and, and there's no joy and delight in this. And she, uh, the latest, uh, we'll call her Aileen Anonymous, um, has outlined uh, the, the gate uh, that uh, develops in people with dementia and the look they frequently have on their face, like concerned and agitated. So they uh, walk the raspy a, voice. So they actually walk a certain way. That's interesting. Yeah, your gait changes as your brain changes, I guess. Um, uh, and and the raspy voice is, is frequent. You know, that can go with age, too. Uh, but more importantly, she writes, what seems right to the patient is often wrong, but not in their own mind. Getting information mixed up is so common. When stressed, this patient definitely becomes more agitated and tired and confused. Having the same schedule is what these patients do best on. You know, regular schedule, no no stress and confusion and tension and that sort of thing, which is absolutely the opposite of what Joseph R. Biden is having to deal with. And... I remember Barack Obama saying to him, you don't have to do this, Joe. You don't have to run for president, which is an interesting thing to say to somebody. And on a human level, I'll bet Biden to the extent that he is uh, cognizant of what's happening and what's happening in his own brain. He's he's uh, he's got to be suffering enormously right now because the, the, the throne he'd always wanted, the responsibilities he'd sought, um, the, the, the the service to the country that he'd always wanted to perform. He finally got it, and he doesn't have what it takes anymore, 
and he's struggling to the again to the extent that he's cognizant of it. He is now struggling with an enormous moral question: How long does he hang on? How does he deal with the presidency as somebody in rapid decline? I don't. I know. feel for the guy. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. It's a tough spot for him and the country. So he was asked about this topic yesterday, and he said he didn't know, and he might not know. But this made the rounds from a bunch of different outlets, so it's got to be true. U.S. officials gave the Taliban a list of names of U.S. citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies, in theory, to help the Taliban facilitate getting them through the airport. But by doing that, in reality, you just gave the Taliban and al-Qaeda and ISIS, it would seem, a list of names of people that worked with the United States. A kill list, if you will. And the president said he's not sure, but everybody's reporting it, and I haven't heard any strong pushback on it. It seems that it happened. It's it. I mean, I get what they were trying to do. Hey, here's a list of people that you need to let through. But it's also a list of people that, and, 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 they, and especially now, if they don't get through, the Taliban has a list of names of people to go get. Well, a Pentagon official told Politico that the Biden administration effectively, quote, put all those Afghans on a kill list. It's just appalling and shocking and makes you feel unclean, the official added. How did we end up doing that? I mean, that's like an Andrew Cuomo putting old people in, 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 in next to COVID sort of screw up. That's a big one. Armstrong and Getty.